We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And may the Schwartz be with you. Excuse me? As we review the 1987 space fantasy parody, Spaceballs. Ba-da-da-da, royalty-free theme. So, we decided to take a look at Spaceballs because Solo... Mm. is in theaters and we wanted to review a movie that only had one of it oh i see because it was a solo film yes that that's probably the main that's reason. that's the main reason and all the other star wars the parody stuff just so happens to fit so perfectly that was a happy accident yeah uh, i actually have tickets to solo immediately after recording this podcast so oh. we're gonna keep it tight <laughs> Well then, let's go ahead and hop into a synopsis. In case you don't remember the amazing movie Spaceballs, um, it basically goes a little something like this. In a distant galaxy, planet Spaceball has depleted its air supply, leaving its citizens reliant on a product called Perrier. In desperation, Spaceballs leader President Scroob, played by Mel Brooks, offers the evil Dark Helmet, played by Rick Moranis, the legend to kidnap Princess Vespa, played by Daphne Zaniga, uh, or Zaniga. It depends on where you grew up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hold her hostage in exchange for air. But help arrives for the princess in the form of a scruffy-looking renegade space pilot by the name of Lone Star, played by everyone's favorite president, Bill Pullman, mm. and his half-man, half-dog partner, Barf, played by John Candy. Played by John Candy. I don't know why I stopped telling you who was playing who then. Um, and this movie came out in 1987, the year that the Ninja Turtles cartoon came out. So, based on that alone, it has to be great. So, in 1984, someone interviewed Brooks saying, Hey, what's your next project going to be? And then he shouted like Mel Brooks does, Planet Moron! People would just think that, oh, he's probably doing something to tell the reporter to go away. But actually, that was the working title for Spaceballs. Uh, Planet Moron, however, uh, was out of the question because Morons from Outer Space was released in between 1984 and 1987. So Spaceballs oh. became the name as a result of needing to put space somewhere in the title. And Brooks, using his trade mark screwball comedy genre uh and he went the way of parodies the same way that weird al does uh he approached george lucas to actually get his blessing to make a parody of star wars oh, that's and, nice right and lucas who was working on you know another film at the time but still decided to give his blessing because he too was making a space comedy called howard the duck Mm. Uh, but Lucas agreed under one condition, Grayson. What was that? No Spaceballs merchandising will be available. Oh. <laughs> the irony! Oh, that's so great. And so they agreed, even though the movie heavily parodies merchandising, the real power, um, there is actually no Spaceballs merchandise. A little bit more on that 
later. But the Star Wars crossover doesn't stop there. Uh, Industrial Lights and Magic also was the editing house that edited the movie, which is the reason why we do actually see the Millennium Falcon make a cameo appearance in this movie, making it canon that exists in the Star Wars universe, planting a seed for head canon, just putting it out there. And this movie was a huge success for Bill Pullman's career. Uh, it wasn't that big in the box office. It had a budget of about $22 million, and it made $38 million during its run in the United States. So it did well, um, but this was huge for Bill Pullman because this was his second film role. And coincidentally, he was the third choice uh, to play the role of... Lone Star. The first two were Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, but they said, you know what? The Toms aren't available. Let's go to the Bills. Yeah, it would have been a very different movie with either of them. So over time, the movie has developed a cult classic status and a sequel has kind of been stuck in um, developmental Schwartz uh of sorts for several several years in fact i want to say that g4 the kind of like gaming uh nerd network promoted an animated series to be produced in the early to mid 2000s but uh, they promoted it but it never came out until like a year later and it just never really got off the ground and so it's people have been wanting to see more of the Spaceballs universe in action but it never really got its full potential um, mm. but it did make it to Laserdisc so you know that's that's that they always find a way to Laserdisc <laughs> I do want to give you a couple of fun facts Grayson guess what what? That scene in the diner where the alien pops out of that guy's chest? John Hurt. Yeah. The war doctor, a.k.a. the exact same guy who had the chest burster come out of his chest in Alien from 1979. Yeah, yeah. That's why he says, not again. I love that so much. I didn't yeah. realize that was John Hurt. I screamed when I realized that that was John Hurt. So the movie title for Spaceballs in Spain, uh, translates to SOS, there's a madman slash crazy person loose in space. That's the best translation I've heard since the Ukrainian translation of Tower Heist, which is, how to steal a skyscraper. <laughs> oh, and I completely forgot to mention, Joan Rivers is the mm -hmm. voice of Dot Matrix, and the robot was played by a professional mime actor. And they had a famous ongoing like robot miming act that landed them the role of a lifetime in Spaceballs. And I thought that was super interesting. So those are some fun facts. Now we're going to go ahead and dive on into our reactions. So Grayson, mm -hmm. when was the first time that you saw Spaceballs? I probably saw Spaceballs for the first time when I was in middle school, and I yeah. feel like I was the prime demographic. <laughs> um, I really uh, have loved this movie for a long time, and I had forgotten a lot about it, though. Like, I forgot the aspect of they're aware that they're in a movie, which makes it back-to-back -back weeks where we have characters that 
know that. Um, yep. Just every time I watch this, I super appreciate the talent of Michael Winslow as the radar technician. Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, he really made a career of being able to do these sound effects with his mouth uh, in the Police Academy movies, which I've never seen a Police Academy movie, but... In this movie, he is such a talent. And the first time I saw this as a kid, I was blown away. I was like, wait a minute. How do you do that sweeps thing? How do you do the bleeps? How do you do the creeps? It's such a talent. And uh, that always just sticks with me. When I think of Spaceballs, that's like one of the first scenes that I think about. And uh, Rick Moranis, obviously I loved him since I was a kid uh, watching Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And it's such a different side of him. It's different, but also fits into classic Rick Moranis. But it's just if he has a mean streak. Uh, And I I just really enjoy this movie. I believe it was my second Mel Brooks movie ever to see as a kid. The only one I had seen before this was Young Frankenstein. And after I saw this one, I was like, I need to see the rest of them. It is such a uh, love letter to the genre. And... We have talked time and time again about loving the thing that you're parodying. Uh, That, I believe, came from Mel Brooks. Uh, He is the master of the parody. And he is so good at starting with a parody of one movie and then noting the connection points to other movies in the genre. So this is not just a Star Wars parody. There are Star Trek elements. We mentioned John Hurt in the Alien cameo. There's Planet of the Apes. There are so many other connections to just sci-fi in general uh, to make it feel unique. And that works. Like it, It's uh, the way to go about a true genre parody. And this movie, uh, even though it, it came out in 87, is still just as funny today. I loved rewatching it. I was really excited uh, for this week. And uh, if you haven't seen it in a long time, you should you should check it out because I was just able to react like I was watching it for the first time again. Now, this movie, the first time I watched it, um, I only ever saw part of this movie. But, Grayson, it's a part of the Summer YMCA series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the scene I remember seeing, someone was like channel flipping. And then they're like, oh, cool. Spaceballs is on. And it's like, oh, what's this? It's like, it's like a Star Wars parody. And at this point in time, I had never seen Star Wars. Uh, so it was around middle school. I want to say it was on Comedy Central. And it was the diner scene. Hmm. And when that chestburster came out and started doing the Michigan J-Frog, hello, my baby, hello, my darling, I cried laughing. And I did again when I watched it because it's still just the absolute best thing to see happen like just because it's so unexpected it's like and even when you expect it it's like they they're going all the way with it oh yeah they don't shy away from the gags uh that establishing shot of the enemy ship that goes on forever it actually goes from minute 152 to minute 335 they they did nearly two minutes of just looking at the side of this ship and it it goes to the point of you're it's funny and then you're like okay i get it and then it comes back around to be funny and that's just mel brooks's timing it's 
It's just expert level comedic timing. Yeah, Mel Brooks is not afraid to take one joke and just run with it. Even just the Colonel Sanders joke of just like, what's wrong, Colonel Sanders? Chicken. It's just like he named this character Colonel Sanders for that one joke. And it was, it was worth it. Like every every joke that they make and they go for, like even like when they ended up making a Planet of the Apes joke towards the end, I'm like, how? How did they decide, you know what? This spaceship is going to turn into a giant maid and then the head and arm are going to pop off in the explosion and then land on the Planet of the Apes. Who does that? But this movie does tell an original story, but it does parody the elements of Star Wars because that was what made it different. Instead of it being, oh, they have plans for the Death Star. Like, they didn't do that same joke the same way. They said, no, here's a completely different space story that has the same archetype of characters. You have the lone wolf, the plucky sidekick, and you have the uh, princess and robot companion. Like you just have all these different elements, but instead of just shot for shot and story for story, remaking star Wars, they said, well, let's do some other kind of space tragedy. Like even to the point where they just lay it all out for you. And they look to the camera and they say, you got it. <laughs> That's what this is. <laughs> We're out of air. We're kidnapping her so we can leverage it. And so that they can give us their air. You got it people. That's what we're doing. <laughs> And because it's not one to one, it makes it feel new and makes it feel original. Yeah. And I think maybe the best ongoing joke throughout the entire movie is the merchandise. Every single scene where they could have put a Spaceballs merchandise, they did. After they said, Spaceballs, the merchandise, Spaceballs, the shaving cream. In the diner, it said Spaceballs, the placemat. It's just, they they took that joke and they did such an amazing job at literally putting it everywhere they could. And I loved it. He does a great job, too, of layering the jokes. That when you think the bit existed for one reason, it keeps going and keeps going. Like in the Beam one, you think it's just there to be a Star Trek parody. And they're like, okay, well, what if they beam somebody, but their body was reversed? Like, that'd be a good physical gag. It's like, okay. And it didn't work. So what if they were beaming somebody to the next room when they could have just walked to that room? There you go. You got three layers of jokes based on one concept. It's just so good. All right. Now we're going to go into a segment that we like to call Spaceballs, the headcanon. Okay, so headcanon is the part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. So my biggest piece of headcanon was just already established with George Lucas being so generous with his uh, cameos. Mm -hmm. Um, Biggest piece of headcanon is that this does take place in the Star Wars universe. Mm Mm-hmm. Additionally, though, my headcanon is that Bill Pullman's character, Lone Star, is the last surviving prince of his race, correct? That's what they say. Oh, it turns out you are a prince, which is a really cool ending. Mm -hmm. So I believe that the aliens that probably destroyed his planet are the same aliens that tried to destroy 
Bill Pullman's planet on Earth. Mm. It all makes sense. Well, actually, so this is how it goes. Bill Pullman's parents. So basically, it's a whole Superman situation. Oh, except okay. instead, the instead of the planet just being imploded, it it's being taken over by an alien uh, attack. Mm-hmm. And so Superman situation, except they have twins. One alien gets shipped off to this other planet, and people just find him, Guardians of the Galaxy style, and then just turn him into like a rogue. Um, and the other lands on Earth and becomes Earth's greatest president, President Pullman from Independence Day. He just kept his name. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good. I like that. My head canon is uh, that Druidia, the uh, home planet of the the princess and of the people who are having their air stolen. Uh, that that is the same planet as the planet from Star Trek Beyond. Because <laughs> they got a big old glass shield holding in all the air. Yep. I was like, I've seen this before. Um, yeah. And instead of Idris Elba trying to steal it, it's Rick Moranis, which I always said Rick Moranis was kind of like the Idris Elba of the 80s. Yeah, you're always saying that. It's low-hanging fruit. It's (laughs) Although if Idris Elba ever did a remake of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, those kids would not be lost long. (laughs) He's going to take care of business, Luther style. (laughs) Yes, I love it. That's great. That's really great. Also, uh, it's a weird piece of headcanon, but uh, Barf, he said he's half human, half dog. Mm-hmm. I want to say that his planet is a planet where all the anthropomorphic animal um, stories take place, a la like Looney Tunes. Uh, oh my gosh. <gasps> yes. I know that Looney Tunes exist on earth and in the earth's core we all know that based off of space jam the documentary but what if there is a whole planet where anthropomorphic animals exist and live freely and that's where barf is from i will yes and your headcanon and say that the same person that made rocket the raccoon also made barf Ooh, it was an animal experiment and i will say that that person was Dr. Neo Cortex from the Crash Bandicoot series. <laughs> you just spread a headcanon across so many different genres and mediums. I love it. Headcanon, well done. And now we're going to go into a part of the show that we like to call Spaceballs, the recast and remake. So if this movie were to be remade today, who would you cast and what would the storyline be? This movie is so ripe for a remake. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Has anyone ever... Yeah, they have. I'm sorry. I was thinking, has anyone ever remade a Mel Brooks movie? And they did. The producers. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would love it if they remade Spaceballs to kind of do parody of all of the older franchises remakes. Like, it would be called Spaceballs, The Schwartz Awakens. Oh, no. (laughs) I, I actually went on the other side of it. I would love it if they did the remake, but it was the prequel. Oh, making yeah. Making fun of that. So you could probably find a way to do both, but yeah. Oh, yeah, because like 
with Star Trek doing kind of like the prequel of like, oh, what what about when they were younger? Mm-hmm. Or um, even like the serialized thing. I know the unofficial sequel is the search for more money, but I do think that there is opportunity for them to talk about all of the different sci-fi reboots, even, especially like Planet of the Apes have been rebooted. Star Trek has been rebooted. Uh, technically, Star Wars has been continued on, but like, oh, Lost in Space, just all these different classic properties have been rebooted and i think that they would have a ton of fun with covering that kind of subject matter that's the storyline i have a very short list for my recast as soon as i saw vespa on the planet that they stopped on Mm -hmm. i thought no one else other than colby smolders oh you got the smolders can i say something about princess vespa for a second Mm -hmm. it wasn't until this showing that I realized she was not Tracy Gold from Growing Pains. <laughs> I thought she was Carol Seavers for years, decades even. An honest mistake. Mm-hmm. It's, it was hard for me to not just go completely down this route, but uh, I really want Jake Johnson to play um, Lone Star because 100%. then... After that is basically like, ah, but then I wanted all the new girl cast to be everyone else. But I agree. Jake Johnson should totally be Lone Star. uh, And you could have Lamorne Morris doing whatever he wanted. I I think Max Greenfield would be uh, a great uh, Dark Helmet as well. And then Zoe Deschanel as Princess Vespa would be fantastic. Yeah, I yeah, because I, I just love that cast. And I think that that cast would have a ton of fun. Ricky, I would be remiss in my duties <laughs> as a podcast co-host slash sidekick if I didn't bring up um, the headcanon I think everybody is thinking, which is mm-hmm. uh, in 1981, Mel Brooks made a great film called History of the World Part One. And that movie ends with a scene in space promoting History of the World Part 2 or teasing it out. My headcanon is that Spaceballs is that sequel that seemingly (laughs) never came, but instead came in disguise as a whisper in the night. Spaceballs. Wow. That's really good. (laughs) I love that. No, that's really great. That's just what happens in the history of the world, we run out of oxygen, but not out of plastic bubbles to wrap around <laughs> our atmosphere. Yeah. So the second take title for Spaceballs is actually Future of the World. Ooh, I like it. Part nothing. <laughs> Please, uh, yes, have part nothing as part of the title. All right, now we're going to go into the final segment of the show, which we like to call Spaceballs. The reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, mm-hmm. why would you Spaceballs the reason to recommend? I would recommend Spaceballs because it has so many layers of comedy to it that there's bound to be something that appeals to you. Uh, and just the, the use of parody in this is unmatched by any other director. I honestly believe Mel Brooks is the the pinnacle of comedic parody directing. Like he, he just has a mind for it because he is the kind of person that just collects all of this knowledge of film. And he turns that knowledge into something unique and something original. 
but not everything has to be a reference to something else. And that's what makes this so strong, that it has its own take on on the genre. It has its own jokes that haven't been seen anywhere else. And that's what made Mel Brooks one of my favorite comedy directors. Yeah. The reason why I would recommend Spaceballs, uh, the movie, uh, is because space comedy. I mean, guys, parodies often are seen as just cheap art. And Mel Brooks really sees the appeal of translating it to film in such a unique way and watching this movie really made me want to go back and watch all of these movies that it parodied like it made me want to go back and watch the original alien movie it made me want to go back and watch you know star trek and star wars and all these other movies that parodies because uh, the movie isn't mean spirited when it talks about Star Wars. Like it, they got George Lucas's permission, mm. and uh, and George Lucas even really liked this movie because it's having fun with the concept of Star Wars. Not even just the movie itself, but the concept and the world that they created. But honestly, this movie is so much fun. There's so many references, and it really is a case study of how to parody a genre while still being original and hilarious. Spaceballs, the review. But what about you? What do you remember and what do you love about the movie Spaceballs? Let us know on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean a lot to us if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is the place where people know that this podcast is the podcast that is worth merchandising. The more reviews you give us, the more that we can merchandise. And if there's anything I've learned, that's where the real money is at. So, And people love hats. They love them. <laughs> Can't get enough of them. Yeah, I know I do. So leave us a review over there on a scale of one to five space balls. What do you think? And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. You know what's weird is this is probably the only movie where it made sense to do one to five stars. Oh my gosh. You get one chance!